Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Marty Plum, and I am your host of a pen and a napkin podcast, the weekly coaching clinic you can carry around with you in your pocket. Welcome back to our interview podcast. And here we are with interview number 187. And really excited to have Rusty Elmore, the head men's basketball coach at Garden City Community College out of the Jayhawk Conference in Kansas. The, the, the Without a doubt, the best JUCO conference in the country, right in the thick of it. Uh, really excited to hear Coach Elmore's perspectives and, and what he has to say and, and his coaching philosophy and all that stuff. You all know what we're here to talk about. So, uh, But before we get to Coach Elmore, uh, we of course want to thank our founding sponsor, COSAC Chiropractic, located at 14450 Eagle Run Drive here in Omaha, Nebraska. Coaches, if you or any of your athletes are having trouble with balance, neck, or spinal issues, go in, go see Dr. Kevin, Dr. Heidi. They are absolutely awesome. I'm getting... Uh, more seasoned. We're not going to use the O word here. I've been in to see Dr. Kevin and Dr. Heidi uh, quite a bit here this summer, and they have always taken care of me. They are absolutely great, so check them out if you get a chance. Follow us on Twitter, at a pen and a napkin. We try to put out daily coaching tidbits on the Twitter handle, so be sure to follow us there. If you're listening, download, rate, review, give us a five-star review, write up a review, go to iTunes. It's, it's much needed here when folks want to look up coaching basketball podcasts. If you do that type of stuff, a pen and a napkin pops up higher on the list, and we want to help out as many coaches as we can to hone their craft. Email me if you have any questions, comments, suggestions, or ideas, a pen and a napkin at gmail.com. Go check out a pen and a napkin.com. It's a really good coaching website. I know that because I'm the one that put it together. I'm, I'm pretty confident in it. I feel good about it. So go check it out if you're looking for more materials. So other than that, that's all I have to say for now, Coach Elmore. Rusty, how are you doing this afternoon? Good. Thanks for having me on here, man. This is an honor. Well, I appreciate you coming on. Uh, appreciate your support. Uh, and uh, just excited to talk some hoops with you this afternoon. So um I'll tell you what, Rusty. Let's let's get it started the way we we normally get this started here. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, your your journey, uh, your basketball journey. How'd you end up being the men's head basketball coach at, at uh, such a good program at uh, like Garden City? Oh yeah, you know I'm a coach's son. Uh, my dad coached high school and junior college for about uh, almost forty years, and uh, uh, I always knew I wanted to be a coach. I uh, didn't. You know, I went to college and I thought I'd just kind of jump into it. And, you know, life had other plans for me. And so I graduated college and or finished and took my first job as, as a television executive. Um, I didn't think I'd do it forever. Uh, really, my plan was to kind of maybe do it for a year or two, save some money, and then try to figure out how to volunteer mm-hmm. to kind of get my foot in the door. And that two years turned into about seven, almost nine years. Uh-huh. Um, I, I kind of climbed the corporate ladder a little as you could say and uh worked my way up the the tv business uh my last two jobs i was with wgn in chicago which you know was kind of the godfather of tv stations and it was really cool we had the cubs and the bulls and the blackhawks i'm only Um, slightly jealous as a as a child who of the 80s who spent every summer afternoon with harry Carey and steve stone so i mean I was there two years and I still walked the halls and looked at the pictures and the memorabilia and all throughout. I mean, it was a neat place to work. You know, we got, I could go to basically any Cubs game I wanted to Bulls game. It was, it was a pretty cool little deal. Um, and then the last year I was in Chicago, I was with the White Sox. I worked, was an exec with their radio network and, uh, it, 
it was a cool deal. Uh, you know, it was kind of we were kind of at a pennant race by probably late July, early August. So it was kind of boring. You know, after that, it was kind of like, Ugh, when's it going to be over? But uh, uh, but you know, it was a cool. But I always wanted just to coach, mm-hmm. and uh, fate kind of intervened. I was at the Final Four in Indianapolis. I guess that was what oh ten nine ten. Whenever Butler was in there, okay. Um, yep. And I was walking to get a, a t shirt for my. And from one of my coworkers, and I ran into my, a guy that I knew from my dad's days. He was uh, Coach Paul Peck. Uh, he was at the time was at Middle Tennessee. He was assistant at Ole Miss, Western Kentucky, and you know I, I, how I remembered him, I don't know. But we just kind of bumped in and started talking. And to be honest, for about a month or two later, I kind of just regretted I didn't get on my hands and knees and play, plead with him, <laughs> let me come work for him. But I finally got the nerve up about, I don't know, probably six months later. And uh, next thing I know, I'm a college basketball coach, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in, at the Lindsey Wilson College in Columbia, Kentucky. They were a really good NAI program. Um, you know, my second year there, we finished second in the country, went to the Final Four, and I thought, man, this is going to be easy. I've uh, never been back to the Final Four since. But, you know, it was a, a great experience, and what was great about it, they kind of, you know, let me threw me to the fire from day one. You know, mm-hmm. I, I was recruiting and, and scouting. I didn't know a whole lot. You know, I, I think that's the thing. I, I didn't – I thought I knew basketball, but when you get there that first day, you, you really don't know anything. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I kind of – my role was kind of – was scouting and, and knowing other teams, teams and calls. I knew I could say that. You know, the other stuff I was just kind of trying to learn on the fly. And Coach Peck was an unbelievable coach and, and – been doing it for a lot of years and uh, i was there three years and then i'll be honest i i was basically a volunteer at that time and year three i was starting to worry you know i interviewed for some jobs i couldn't i, I just couldn't break through and actually it was going into my fourth year there and i actually i was starting to uh, study for the real estate exam and i was like well, i'm gonna become a real estate agent and coach at Lindsay wilson the rest of my life i yeah. I, I was kind of i just got married and uh, and then fate and then uh, my assistant the, the other assistant coach stars called me and said hey there's an opening union college and right down the road with and next thing i know i'm in barberville kentucky with coach burton uh-huh. uh, who was another unbelievable coach uh, i think this past year, they won the Appalachian Athletic Conference for the tenth year in a row. Um, at the year after I left, they won the national championship. Uh, we had an incredible year. I was there. We started off slow, and we brought in a young man at at, uh, at Christmas, and we ended up winning twenty two in a row and got beaten in Elite Eight. Oh. Um, and then there, I kind of made a jump. I kind of it was kind of a crossroads in my career. I had a chance to go to Kentucky Westland for a guy that's a legend, Happy Osborne. Um, if, if you don't know him, he, he's probably one of the best small college coaches ever. Mm-hmm. I mean, his winning percentage, I want to say if it's not 90%, it's pretty close. Um, and I actually took a pay cut to go work for him, but I knew this was my one chance. And actually it was the best thing I ever did. Mm-hmm. I had to, you know, I had to sell it to the wife, but it was the best, you know, from, from there, he opened a lot of doors that it probably not you know, would have not have opened for me. Had to take a little there. bit of a step back before you went forward. 
Yep, and you know he he got me that you know that was able to get the job at Vincennes, who's Coach Franklin, probably you know was a Hall of Famer junior coach, uh, junior college coach, probably one of the best in the country. You know, I was able to go work and learn from him for a year, and then from there, it, it opened the door for me at Moberly with Pat Smith, which is another JUCO Hall of Famer. Um, you know, in three years with those guys was just a, a doctorate in coaching. I mean, two different ways of doing things and um and what what that did was it opened the door for me my first working for those two guys opened the door for my first head coaching job at colby community college in kansas uh you know colby was a was a a, a good program that had never been great had never been in the national tournament um very small town um but you know i was able to get the head job there and you know, our first year we finished top 10 in the country, went to the national tournament and, uh, you know, first time ever. And then COVID hit. We were mm-hmm. actually a day away from leaving to go to the national tournament. And then they shut us down. And, you know, we all know what happened from there. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, the, the COVID year was really rough for our program. We probably had the worst issues with COVID than any college team in the country. I mean, we, our season was only three months and we spent, over half in quarantine. Uh, I mean, I had to play three or four games with five players, you know, a lot of games where we only had a day or two of practice after a couple week quarantine. I mean, it was a nightmare, but you know, we somehow survived. And then, uh, year three was probably the most talented team I ever had. And just, I think we got up to maybe eighth or ninth in the country right before Christmas. And then, uh, we lost a couple of guys to discipline issues. And then we lost two to injuries, and it was we never did just get you know we end up finishing above 500 but you know we lost five or four of our top eight guys in in, in this league that, that that's impossible um and then last summer i was able to get the job here at garden city uh bill morosco was here the year before and had really done an incredible job and kind of got this thing going in the right direction and you know we we had a great year especially we had to put a whole team together in a month mm-hmm. um you know it was crazy as we lose two less games we win the league and probably go to the national tournament you know that's how thin it is in this league and uh but you know garden city is an unbelievable place colby was a great place but you know garden city they are all about athletics here they they really invested in our program and athletics in general to help us become one of the top programs in the country and in, in, in the Jayhawk. Mm-hmm. Um, and that starts with the president, the vice president, athletic director of the community. I mean, this is a, a truly a special place to be. And I, I, I think we're moving it in the right direction. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's interesting. Like you said, you, you had those seven or eight years working in the media doing a lot of that stuff, kind of the road less traveled when it comes to coaching. Um, but what are some things, you know, we, we as coaches are are told to read as much as we can on leadership, and a lot of times that stuff comes from, like, business books. And, and for us as coaches, that's a lot of theory. But you've taken the theory and you've actually applied it. So so what are some things that you took from your, your business background and applied to your coaching philosophy once you stepped into the once you threw your hat in the ring, so to speak. You know, a lot of the sales was kind of psychology, but you know, all the sales training we had, and, and it really applies to recruiting. You know, you you want to listen to your recruit. What what are they looking for in the next program? And you know, can you provide what they're looking for? Is and that's what you're selling. You know, it's really to get to know the person and kind of 
develop a relationship or trust instead of just going right at them and trying to sell, sell, sell. Um, and, you know, I've tried to, you know, I'm not perfect, but I, I've tried to take that approach in my, in our recruiting, um, you know, and, and there is a work involved. I mean, these kids want to hear from you. You know, a lot of guys, it's all about who's contacting me the most and showing me the most love and, and, and that type of thing. I mean, that takes work. It, you know, we sometimes have to get in the car and drive six, seven hours just to go sit down and have an hour meeting with the recruit and turn around and come right back. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. at our level, that's how it is. We don't have the jet waiting on us. Um, <laughs> but, you know, those type of things, you know, we have to do, I think, to kind of – to separate ourselves when it comes to recruiting. So, you know, that, that part, you know, I kind of took from that, uh, you know, and, and it's very, in, in that business in the media, it was very competitive. I mm-hmm. mean, and, you know, there were a lot of people that, you know, I'm a middle Tennessee state graduate, go blue Raiders, but, you know, I was going against guys in my office that, you know, had went to Northwestern business school and, you know, that type of deal. And it can be kind of, you know, intimidating at times, but, you know, I just tried to, for me, I just tried to outwork them. And, you know, I've tried to do the same in my coaching as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it was interesting on, on the stuff that I sent you uh, before we got, or, you know, to, to, to get ready for this. Uh, you know, one of the questions I ask is, you know, who's some of your influences? And I thought you had it, an interesting list of of influences uh, in the sense of you had a couple of old school guys, Bobby Knight and and Don Meyer. And, and I mean, I'm I'm Don Meyer through and through and through. I, I can't be more Don Meyer through and through. But then you had the, the quote unquote new school type of guy in Nate Oates, which plays the game in a lot of ways completely differently on the surface than a coach Meyer or a coach Knight or his teams play differently than that. So, so what's the, what was your kind of process of, of taking stuff from the old school guys like coach Knight and coach Meyer rusty and, and blending it with a quote unquote new school guy, like a Nate Oates. You know, Don Meyer, my dad had a relationship. He had a couple guys play for him. And I, honestly, I'm a basketball coach because mm-hmm. I went to Don Meyer's camp when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, basketball was probably not my first love. And then I think it was summer going into seventh, eighth grade. I went to his camp for the first time and it changed my life. I mean, I was pretty much basketball through and through. And then about a year later, my dad got his first college job. And so then it was kind of all basketball. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it, I still have his VHS that my dad used. I've watched them. I have them converted to DVDs. Um, yep. You know, I mean, to be honest, he's probably the best to ever do it. Yep. Uh, just, I would agree. Um, I mean, just he, his knowledge of all areas of the game and how his teams played. And um, I mean, I, I actually worked his camp when he, he was he still had it in Tennessee when he went up to North Dakota. Mm-hmm. Um, and I his secretary came in one day and it was probably a crate full of boxes of his videos. She goes, I was about to throw, do you want, I, I took every one of them home with me, <laughs> you know, of games from back in then. And man, they were so fun to watch. Uh-huh. Um, you know, then Bob Knight, that's my dad. I mean, my dad was just like probably 80% of the coaches back in the eighties and nineties. They ran that aggressive defense and mm-hmm. motion offense. And, um, you know, he, but, you know, he was one of the best to ever do it as well. I mean, his knowledge and, uh, I mean, he's still today has influences in our game with, you know, guys like Chris Beard and, 
Um, and then I got to know Nate Oates. He recruited one of my guys uh, when I was at Moberly. I mean, we, I don't know him well, but I kind of, you know, he was, we kind of got to know each other a little bit and I don't know, I just started watching him and, and, and that Buffalo team and then here at Alabama, yep. I mean, they are so fun to watch. And, uh, and this past spring I got to, to meet uh, Ryan Pannon, he, who he just hired as an assistant and yep. to the guys out there. If you don't follow him on Twitter, I, I highly recommend it. I, I don't think the guy does anything but watch basketball all day. I mean, he, <laughs> he floods me every, almost weekly bi-weekly of you know here's barcelona's best atos i mean the guy's incredible if he can remember all this stuff he says he's definitely incredible but uh you know i just love the way alabama plays offensively and you know they're uh, more teams are you know everybody's kind of this way now where it's all threes layups dunks and free throws but i mean they really really live by it um, uh-huh. and to me, they're just, and my dad's, you know, I'm, I come from a long line of Auburn grads. So my dad's probably gonna be mad. I'm sitting here hyping Alabama up on the <laughs> podcast, but you know, I, I have a ton of respect for what they do, uh, offensively. And, you know, I, I, I spend a lot of time in the summer just watching their film on, on things they do. You know, we, we want a couple sets that I've stole from them on zone and on offense or zone and man. And, um, so, you know, those are kind of, you know, the Don. Meyer, Bob Knight's kind of from my dad and the Nate Oates and uh, you know Bob Ritchie's another one I've been watching a lot and he's, he's got a couple clinics out I mean uh, you know those guys are I, I consider genius when it comes to offensive and the, and the things they do Lenny Acuff's another one at Lipscomb I mm-hmm. mean those guys are just at another level when it comes to you know their mind when it comes to offense mm-hmm. coaches do you want to look good Stupid question. Of course you want to look good. We all want to look good. You know what's the best way to look good? Buying yourself some a pen and a napkin merchandise. We've got some really, really good looking stuff here. We've got t-shirts and sweatshirts, and you are not going to regret picking that up. T-shirts are $22 a piece. Sweatshirts are $30 a piece. If I need to mail it to you, it's just $5 shipping and handling to get this good looking stuff out to you. Coaches, I appreciate all that you've done for me over the last three years or so with a pen and a napkin. I hope I've been able to help you out. Might as well come out and help out the Twitter handle and the podcast by ordering some a pen and a napkin merchandise. And like I said, you get to look good. If you're interested in ordering, you can DM me on Twitter at a pen and a napkin, send me a direct message, or you can email me a pen and a napkin at gmail.com, and I'll get you those ordering details so that you can order some a pen and a napkin merchandise. Rusty, you were you were an assistant for a while, and then you got the opportunity to to move over to uh, head coaching position, or you you you, uh, you, you got the job. Uh, what were you doing? And I think this is an important question. Uh, and I know I personally didn't do as good a job of this earlier in my career uh, when I was an assistant coach for, for nine or ten years. Uh, what are some things that you did to prepare yourself uh, to be a head coach while you were being an assistant coach? Because I think a lot of times assistant coaches, look, I, I want to be a head coach. I want to be a head coach. Okay, well, what are you going to do once you're head coach? Or do you do you have any idea what the job entails? And I think it's, it, even if you're as prepared as you can be, there's a shock and awe to it once you slide over those 18 inches. Uh, but what are some things that you did to prepare yourself to, to get to that point? You know, and this kind of started even 
when I was a TV guy, still holding on to that dream to become a college. You know, I, when I was making no money as a at Lindsey Wilson, every dime I spent, I was on eBay or where trying to get champ. I mean, I, I probably spent fifteen thousand dollars with Championship Productions my first six seven years coaching. I probably didn't make that much money to be honest. But you know, we're, we're me, not going to tell your wife. We're not going to tell your wife that either. By the way, yeah, yeah. That, that that. But you know, <laughs> I did sell them back on eBay. So you know, I did try to you know, I, the FBI may be looking for me, but. Uh, but, but you know, to me, I was just always trying to learn, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, if especially early in my career as an assistant, you know, if my coach, I didn't really say anything unless my coach asked. You know, I gave suggestions when asked, but you know, I, I did what my boss wanted us to do. And but in the back of my mind, you know, we play somebody, and I'm like, man, that's really good. I'd like to use that. Um, but to me. You know the coaching you podcast like you like you have you know all that I, I that's all I do I mean I kind of live a boring life I have a wife and daughter and my faith in in God and then coaching I mean those are my basically my life and if I'm not with my wife or at church I'm probably watching these you know a lot of games we don't get to watch in the season I record on my DVR and um, you know just always trying to learn and. You know, but the big thing from that 18 inches is, you know, all that stuff sounds good. And then when you, the big thing is, can you teach it? You know, I, there's a lot of good ideas, but I, it just doesn't fit me. I, wow. I, I don't feel comfortable teaching it. And to me, that was the biggest thing that, you know, I had to learn probably really fast in my coaching. I was like, man, we're going to do this or that. And I'm like, man, it just doesn't fit us. Or I, I'm just not very good at teaching it. Like, we got to figure another way of doing this. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, those were the biggest things, you know. And, and I'm so fortunate to work with such great bosses that gave me a lot of responsibility that they, they kind of let me make some, tr- you know, trial by error you know type of deal and if i did something you know stupid really stupid they'd tell me and then i'd fix it you know mm-hmm. but they they gave me a lot of freedom to, to get to prepare myself and especially coach smith at, at, at moberly i mean he he wanted us to be as like a second head coach. I mean, he had to speak to the team before the game, which if you've never done it before, it's pretty nerve wracking that first few times. Cause you know, mm-hmm. you, you think you're going to sound like Newt Rotney and you sound like Pee Wee Herman, you know, it's, uh, um, you know, things like that. You don't think about, you know, what am I going to say? And, um, those type of things, uh, you know, discipline issues, you know, guys, it's that, that don't want to be coached or bad at it, you know, how you handle all that. And, you know, my, my bosses did a really good job of, I think, of preparing me on, on, on dealing with stuff like that, because, you know, at the end of the day, that's probably 75% more of the job than X's and O's is dealing with human beings and young men. And, you know, that they can make mistakes and, you know, where do you draw the line and where do you try to help? You know, mm-hmm. all that is things that, you know, as a head coach that I still struggle with to this day, but I think I have a better grasp of it because of the guys I work for. I, I think one of the things that you brought up there, Rusty, is interesting. Teaching what you know how to teach. Sure. And 
and I think you know that's like you know going to a Don Meyer thing. Uh, two things popped into my head. One is is that exact quote. You know, if you're trying to teach something that you don't know or that you don't feel comfortable with, it is better to not teach it than to try and teach it. Um, and and then you know you're talking about adding things to your repertoire. And again, kind of going back to Coach Meyer, you know, one of his ones that that really stuck with me as I got older. If you add something, you have to subtract something because there's only so much time and energy that that you have to 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 do stuff with and to and to work with your players. And I and I think that's when you're an assistant coach, you think you can sometimes kind of run anything at any place at any time. And man, once you start once you start being responsible for those practice plans, and you start looking at that two that two hours shrinks really fast um and and, (laughs) you know and and i think that as you develop your philosophy uh, and it's okay to look at a lot of different things but you got to teach to what you know and you can't you can't teach the one three one and the two three and the run and jump full court man to man and uh, a two two i mean that that's just almost impossible to do if you can i'd like to find the the, the guy or gal that can do it because hats off to you and i'm not putting you on my schedule because you're a much better coach than i am if you could get your kids to do all that and, and that's just that just kind of popped into my head as, as you were going through uh your your process of of what you did yeah absolutely i mean you know i I do feel like going into year five, I do have a little bit more confidence, you know, when it comes to, okay, well, well I'm more open-minded now to, 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 to try some things and spend some, I mean, just like we changed how we guarded last year. I mean, it goes against everything I had ever been taught, but, you know, I, but I did invest a lot of time, probably two years learning it and, you know, I think it was successful for the most part, but, you know, to me, there's a fine line and and I I run into this, you know, I work for coaches that have been doing it for quite a while. You know, sometimes you got to adapt and, uh, or you don't get left behind it. And that's something that that I struggled with, you know, this is how I do it. I know it works and it wasn't working. So we got to figure something else out, but Mm -hmm. you know, there, there's that fine line too, that, all right, I got to dive in here and and try to fix this. Mm -hmm. Yep. You uh you you talked about you you'd gone from Colby right it was Colby that you went to before Garden City right correct yeah um and and Garden City uh like you said one of the things that drew you there was its emphasis in athletics its desire to be great uh but sometimes that can be difficult that that can be a difficult transition when you're taking over for somebody who has been successful or you've been in a successful program. You know, we we have a natural instinct to want to put our stamp on something to have our sure. influence. Uh, but you don't if it you know if it ain't broke, don't try to fix it. Type of a, a deal as well. So, what was the process here the last uh, year or so for you to go through, uh, evaluate uh, what doesn't need to be touched how much of it doesn't need to be touched what do i what do i feel even maybe this is going well but i think we can do it a little bit better if we do it my way just what was that whole process like of of taking over a successful program and 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 people may not believe this but but sometimes there's real challenges with taking over a successful program because there had been that success and and you want to make sure that you keep it going but you don't want to mess with what's working but you want to do your own thing so what's that process been like for you rusty 
Well, it was kind of easy to put my own stamp on it because there, when I got the job, we had two guys on the roster. <laughs> so, you know, we, we were able to kind of put our stamp on it. We were able to keep a young man that ended up being an All-American for us uh, last year. But, you know, other than him, you know, that was a big getting him to stay. But, you know, just, you know, they did things a different way you know, from pregame meal to when they did weights, how much they did weight, you know. I came in and kind of changed a couple of things because that was kind of my philosophy. You know, which one works better? Who knows? But, uh, you know, to me here and at this level, it's a little easier to kind of come in. And, you know, we just didn't, it wasn't broke. You know, we just, nothing really changed how I did things from Kobe. I mean, I just came in and, and, and did it my way. Cause to me as a head coach, I kind of have to do it. What I, how I believe things will work. Um, and you know, there wasn't a huge difference. I mean, they, they probably, they did weights a lot more probably they came in the summer. Uh, we didn't do that, you know, just little things like that, but you know, basically everything else I, I did the same than we did at Colby. You know, one good thing here is that, you know, we have a strength conditioning coach. So we, you know, that's an added bonus. So, you know, I kind of let him take over that aspect of it where it was usually me or my assistant before. Um, you know, and we have to, you know, he also coaches football and he seven or eight other sports. So, you know, we kind of have to go when we can go. Uh-huh. And I kind of have to make it work with the schedule we're allowed. Um, but, uh, you know, there wasn't, that wasn't a big issue, really. I mean, it was just kind of, we believe in you, do it your way. You know, they, it wasn't a lot of, well, this is how we did it before. They, I, I really didn't run into a lot of that here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Coaches are absolutely loving our taking over a new program booklet. As many of you know, I spent two years outside of coaching. And during that time, I hung a note card in my workspace at school that said, strip the house down to the studs. I took that time to really rethink and reorganize my thoughts on what it takes to run a transformational program. As I prepared for the possibility of coaching again, I organized these thoughts into this 96-page booklet. How much do I trust this booklet? I used this booklet as I went on interviews to help sell myself and my vision for what my new program would look like. If I'm using it to sell myself, why wouldn't I recommend it to you, my listeners? This booklet will help you look at any part of your program, no matter what stage you're at in your program, and help improve it in some way. It's all yours for only $15, which includes shipping and handling. For more information, email me at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com. All right, Rusty, at, at this point, let's let's jump into our John Wooden quote of the day. Uh, you know that this was, was coming at some point here, so let's roll it out. Let's take a dive in. Uh, Coach Elmore, are you ready for the John Wooden quote of the day? I'm ready. All right. So from page 137 of Wooden, A Lifetime of Observations, the John Wooden quote of the day is, I believe performing with style and class is a first priority, especially if you're in the public spotlight. If you're in that position, you do have a responsibility. What do you got for me? Well, Go ahead. I mean, it kind of, it's a fancy way of, uh, you know, uh, of quoting, uh, you know, we've, 
we're in the spotlight, but you, with that comes responsibilities is how I take it, you know, yeah. how you do everything, you know, the way you present yourself, the way you treat people, the way you are with your teammates. Just, uh, but, you, you know, we are in this in a sort of way we kind of are in the show business. I mean, we, yeah. the part of our goal is to get people in the seats. And I think you do that by, you know, playing fast or, you know, kind of how I take it with style, but, uh, that would be my, uh, cliff notes version of that quote there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I, I think one of the unintended things, especially in the age of social media is, even if you're a high school coach, you have a responsibility to represent in yourself in a certain way. Uh, and the farther you go up the ladder, the more responsibility in a lot of ways you have. Um, and, you know, your situation is probably a little bit different. You probably do a few speaking engagements around town and talking to businesses and raising money and stuff like that for your program and the school. And, and, and you know, just just all those different things. Uh, we, we do have a responsibility, even, even on the sidelines and the way we coach our teams. I think there's a responsibility to represent ourselves and, and represent our programs and represent our, our schools uh, in, in a, in a very positive manner uh, because for, you know, when, when you're at garden city and, and you're playing Dodge city, you know, those people at Dodge city, their impression of you is going to be the way you handle yourself on the sideline or something like that. So I, I, I think that there's just so many things that go into that. And I, and I think that, you know, performing with class, performing with responsibility it is a responsibility, and and you know we have to accept that whether whether we like it or not, we have to accept it. Amen. Yep. Yeah. Good stuff, Rusty. Let's let's dive into your um, let's dive into your uh, philosophy here. Um, you're a defense guy, and uh, you know you kind of coming from your dad that defense first philosophy and, and that type of thing. And you had some unique things uh, that you wanted to talk about with your defensive philosophy. I'm really interested to listen to it. So at, at this point, Rusty, I'm just going to kind of let you cook, but but tell us a little bit about your, your half-court defensive philosophy, um, you know, what you do, how you teach it, uh, the way you communicate it, drills, anything that you'd like to go with it. Uh, I'll try to politely interrupt you when I have a question here, but but uh, coach, tell us tell us about your 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 defensive philosophy and what you guys do in the half court there at Garden City. You know, I had uh, every coach I worked for, and I was the first four years. You know, we were a you know overhelp, force baseline, uh, get out deny team, and but I don't at our level these guys have got where they can just shoot it unbelievable i mean it, i don't know if it's because everybody's got guns now in the gym and guys are getting up thousands of shots I don't, I don't know what it is but it, the last four or five years and my three-point percentage was not great and so i got tired of getting torched so um studied a lot and you know i didn't feel like the pack line really fixed that per mm-hmm. se mm-hmm. um and uh, during the COVID, uh, Will Boyd did a clinic uh, during that when they did the clinics during the COVID on, on pill switching. And I don't know, I just kind of became enamored with it. And you know, I started seeing the NBA do it a lot more. And um, it, it, it and then really last spring after my the last season at Colby in that spring and summer. 
I mean, I watched everything. I, I bet I've watched the two clinics Will did on the on probably about 200 times. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I went through the, the NBA and Synergy and clipped out, you know, all the things. And, you know, but it was kind of what we were talking about earlier. You know, am I ready to, to do something I, I've, I've never done before? Um, and, you know, we – we decided to go all in. My assistant that I – he actually the assistant I, I kept from the former head coach, and he, and he actually had a, a former coaching buddy that – I think he's at Madonna that, that did it. And we kind of – he kind of answered some questions I was curious about. And like I said, we implemented. It's basically what, for guys that don't know, it's like the old school, you help, you kind of have two on the ball, but with the, the pill switch, basically the help guy, if I go and help your guy, you take my guy, basically mm-hmm. is the best way to do it. Um, we'll talk kind of a fancy rotation. We found that didn't work for us. We basically made it simple for our guys. If I take yours, you take mine, basically. Um, the biggest thing is, and this, I mean, it's all deep, but guys have got to communicate. Um, if you don't talk, this defense doesn't work. Um, you know, we kind of created some drills in the beginning or like, I don't, and we just kind of, as the season went along, we kind of made it, uh, you know, basically shell drills for pill switch. I guess the best way to describe it on working on different angles, different drives. If there's a post without a post, um, you know, we basically did those drills every day or at least two or three of them, but but they were kind of different by position on the court, you know, baseline drive, slot drive, top of the key drive. Um, Early in the year, we were switching every, like, down screens, back screen, everything. Um, We had a couple of bigs that just didn't have the mobility to do it, and we were kind of getting exposed. Um, So we kind of changed it up, and it actually worked where, let's say the big sets a down screen, well, the guard gets through that one, but – the guard to guard screen, we're going to switch it. Um, but anything with a help is a switch. And uh, when it was really good, we were really good, you know, oh. but it, it, and the biggest thing that I struggled with, and, and Will talks about this in his clinics, is it's going to look chaotic when you first start. And it does. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's foreign to a lot of these guys. And, um, but our guys really kind of bought into it. You know, we're, you know, we, it helped, you know, we've showed some NBA clips, some college clips. Uh, Arizona was really good at it two years ago. Florida Atlantic was unbelievable at it this past year in the NCAA. I mean, mm-hmm. if we are, if we're half as good as they were looked doing it, I'll feel pretty good about life. <laughs> um, you know, we, so, you know, those were some changes we made, you know, we're more starting in the gap, um, instead of out denying, cause it's really hard to switch when you're, you got your back turned to the guy where yeah. we, we basically put our chest to the ball and we will allow a face cut, but we, we do not want to get back cut. So our guys basically even or below his man with his guy, with his chest always facing the ball. Um, we still do the, you know, the help principles, the eye, whatever you want call it you know weak side if it's in the corner uh we're still in the help you know the low man still takes the switch and kind of like the old school help Mm -hmm. um but uh you know the biggest thing for us was it's still we're still evolving with it Uh um i've uh 
you know, the biggest thing for uh, you know, we're, this is this team I've got. We've got a seven three, six ten, and two six eight, uh, and a six nine. I mean, it's probably the biggest team I've ever had. How this is going, we're going to be able to do it with those guys is still, uh, I, I don't know yet. Um, but we're, but we're still, you know, the majority of those have pretty good mobility. So we're, we're going to, from day one, we're going to, we're going to try to stick with it. Um, you know, it, it really helps when guys are trained, they come off and they think this guy's going to be open. Well, with us, it's a little bit different. Um, you know, but the biggest thing is just execution and, uh, you know, there were a lot of games where that guy, it was, uh, it's hard for me to describe it audibly, but I'm going to try, okay. you know, there's a slot drive and there's a guy in the strong side corner, you know, we'll switch that. Um, but you know, a lot of times that guy just sits there and watch him go lay it up. He doesn't get in the gap and, and execute the switch. And, you know, those were things we struggled with. You know, we were late getting over to help or, or uh, you know, our rule is on the switch, if his shoulders are by him or the defender opens his gate, he's beat and it's a switch. Mm-hmm. Um you know, and our rule is if you call the switch, it's a switch. It's no, coach, I got him. No, yeah. if he calls it, you get off and get oh. to his. Uh, you know, those are things you struggle with in the beginning. Um, another one is you can't really help up. You kind of have to let the, the 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 ball handler come to you, and then as soon as you see him raising, you're you're going to close out as fast as you can. But to, we got torched because our back to the slot drive, and there's a guy in the corner. If that guy runs up to him, that pass to that corner, we can't get there in time. But we found if he just levels it off. He, he he can get there a lot quicker, and it slows that pass down to get him time to get there. Um, you know, to me, uh, it, it, I've become a fan of it. I'm all in on it, and you know, I think this is the way we'll guard for, for a while. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, it's like I, I'm a true believer in it, um, and I think our guys bought into it because it was kind of something unique we did. Um, but you know, we're we're still evolving with it, but. Uh, to me, it, it really helped us when it came to, to limiting te- teams in their threes and not overhelping. Um, and, and we got some turnovers with it as well. Um, like I said, we were good at it, man. It really looked – it was fun to watch. Is it, is it something that um, – you know, so I got, I got questions, Rusty. So uh, sure. dig in, buddy. Uh, <laughs> Uh, so you, you're you're combining a lot of to me what I'm hearing is you're combining some some pack line principles. You're not getting you know up the line on the line trying to overplay too much, but you're you're protecting the lane, but you're still trying to take away that that catch and shoot three and move people off the line and make people score off the bounce with with the with the mid-range pull-ups is, is that kind of what the, the the overall goal of it is by doing yeah. it in this manner yeah i mean we're we're, we're going to get in the ball and try to get these guys off the three-point line i mean it, it adjusted you know if they're a driver you know i, I probably should have went into that you know we guard guys differently um you know you know like a Rondo, Durant, you know, those sure. a Rondo. We Scouting report that type. We, yeah. we do this, some scout-specific stuff for guys. Um, but we're, we're good with the mid-range. You know, that's what another reason when our guys, I'm like not coming up too soon on the switch 
because if he stops and shoots that 14, 15 footer, we're, 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 we're good with it. If he, as long as you can get there and kind of contest, mm-hmm. um, you know, for us, what it helped is it's just teams weren't used to it. And so that pass they've always looked for, it wasn't there. Cause we, you know, that cross court pass or they, the baseline drift pass, you know, it wasn't there anymore because we had switched it. Um, just that's just an example. Um, you know, we were mainly because, like I said, teams just shoot the three so well that that's what we were our main goal in doing this. But what we found, it really helped us with drives as well because all of a sudden they think, that, oh, I'm by my guy, and then there's not two on the ball anymore. And that's what we were trying to get away from. And now with this, it, it, to me, and it, it also it eliminated a lot of long, long closeouts as well. Mm-hmm. Um, ex- excuse me if I missed this earlier. Uh, when you're on the ball, uh, yep. what, what what are you doing there? Are you playing it straight up, force and middle, force and baseline? Is it scout dependent? What yeah. you got there? <laughs> I should have. I should have let. We're, we're still. We're still a no middle team. But on the flip side of that, we have drill. I mean, we nobody's perfect, sure. but we have drills where we work on our switches. If you get beat middle, mm-hmm. you know. But we are a a, a no middle team. I mean, we we kind of shade the top foot. You know, you know if it's on the wing, um, and if it's in the middle of four, we're shading to the weak hand. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, how about uh, posts? You know how you defend in the how do you defend the the post area? Uh, again, I, I know some of it's scout dependent, but stereotypically. Well, uh, if there's a weak side post, just say it's four out and the ball's on in the weak and the guys on the weak side post. We that's the only kind of fancy thing. That's the best way I can just this just not where the guy in the opposite corner is sitting on the top on the weak side post. The guy guarding the post the help. And then we'll switch that, and the guy in the guard in the weak side corner holds that post until the switch happens. If that makes sense, mm-hmm. he kicks him out. Um, a ball side post, we, we dead front, and we'll switch with the post. Let's say there's a drive from a wing, and we're fronting the post. That post will take the switch, and then the guard guard they got beat. He'll go take try to take the legs out of that post. Um, so it's just I hope that makes sense. No, no, that no makes sense. Makes sense. Uh, yep. How about ball screens? Last year, we for the most part, other than if uh, a certain big was in, we would drop or over and under, whatever, depending on the guard. But we switch everything else. Okay. Because um, what we found is, you know, that we'll switch. And then let's say we get a, a guard up top and we got a slower big on him. Well, if he gets beat, then we got that guard sitting right there to switch back. If he gets beat, is kind of our thinking on that. Okay. Uh, last one on the on the peel here. If if uh, a coach is listening to this and they're like, "Hmm, this this is intriguing. I like this. This sounds pretty good. Uh, I might want to give this a go." Uh, what's the what's the one or two things that you advise? Any coach that's trying to integrate this or or make this part of their make, make this their base man to man defense in the half court. Uh, I mean the biggest thing is it, it, you got to just accept that it's going to be chaotic the first month. 
I mean, it's it, 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 and and two is that once you dive in, you got to be all in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I couldn't go back to old denying the wing and overhelp in, in December. You know, we had to be all in, and um, you know, the biggest thing is just getting your guys to talk and communicate. If you got guys that you struggle with that, this isn't going to work. Um, we have drills where our guys have to say something every two seconds, no matter what they're just to kind of get these guys to open their mouth. Uh-huh. I mean, you go in the locker room before practice and you can't even hear yourself think these guys are so loud and talking. But as soon as you put them on the floor, all of a sudden you got their, somebody zipped their lips, you uh-huh. know, and, um, you know, it's, that's the biggest thing for me is, and, and the reason I was kind of sold on it, Will, you know, he was coaching for the Angola team and, you know, he didn't have a whole lot of time to get these guys ready and, you know, he, he, how quickly they were able to implement it. And, and I think there's a lot of truth to that. Um, you know, the, the biggest thing is just kind of getting these guys to talk it and realize, it, all right, I'm beat. I got to face it. I'm accepting it. I got to switch, you mm-hmm. know, and not try to, because, uh, you know, where we got in trouble a lot is, guards driving we call the switch and he goes with him another two steps and then he's slow getting back to the other guys man you know those are the things that you know we just drill daily to try to fix and um but i i think it's as easy as system there is out there once you once you kind of get it Uh, that's my true belief on it once you once you break through it's it's a really really uh good thing for you yeah, and, and what I liked about it too is, you know, especially in the heart of January and February, and we're playing two or three league games a week, and we can't really just practice it. You know, we just kind of did our dummy drills, and our and it just our guys were getting a lot of reps doing it, but we wasn't killing their bodies or getting them hurt either. To me, that's why I liked it a lot because we had a stretch in January early. We were down to about seven players. I mean, we had the worst injury bug and. We didn't go. I don't think we went live half of January and all of February. And I had never done that my whole career. If you told me that before the season that would happen, I would have thought the world was ending. <laughs> but you know, it, but we were able to do those drills daily. You know, when I talk about the drills from the different angles and spots on the floor, uh, the different switches, we were still able to do it and, and get some reps. And to me, that's what I liked about it. And we'll probably do it again that same way this year. Mm-hmm. A pen and a napkin university videos are just another way that a pen and a napkin can help you become a better coach. Our university video library is constantly expanding with topics ranging from interviewing for a job to full court defense to 25 universal truths about coaching. Our university videos will help you round out your skill set as a coach and help you hone your craft. Videos are $10 a piece with bundling options available. To order, you can DM me on Twitter, send me an email at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com or order from our website, a pen and a napkin.com. Be sure to check out the A Pen and a Napkin Video Library. All right, Rusty, let's jump in to, uh, let's talk about your staff. And and one of the more difficult things to do as a head coach is uh, delegating to your staff. You, you know you need to do it. You know you need to, to trust your staff. Uh, but there's times where, you know, the, you know, if I want it done it right, I, I'll, I'll do it myself type of a thing. And, and that's, that's, a, that's a hard thing for a lot of head coaches, present company included here. Uh, it, it's hard to do. I'm much better at it than I used to be. Uh, but, but 
you know, still have work to do on it. So uh, what are some some responsibilities that you give to your staff? Uh, how do you integrate them into your philosophy? Uh, just just how do you how do you get your staff to help take a lot of the uh, things that you uh, want or need taken off your plate? Uh, you know how do how do you get that done and how do you make it work for your program? You know I've been really fortunate, especially as a head coach, to have really good staff. Um, I don't I mean I've just been really lucky to be on it. Colby, it was really hard to be. A, we didn't. I had a part time part-time pay full-time work not a lot of money you know so my my pool of candidates was really small but Mm -hmm. i was really fortunate to have two really good guys and trey rakes and adam gulick uh with me and egan groffel at colby um and it was just you know my first year was just one assistant that had a assistant paid and a volunteer my second and then my third year was just me and an assistant so you know i had a lot more responsibilities um where you know i i didn't want to kill my assistant you know but you know i i did half the scouts and he did half the scouts or i think how how we broke it up was i did sets and calls and he did the personnel um uh you know it was they we both did workouts uh he did the study hall that type of thing i mean it was basically 50 50 it was uh, when I was at Colby Garden City, I'm very fortunate. I got two full time assistants, and then I have a uh, volunteer as well who was absolutely incredible. Um, so I'm able to delegate. And to be honest, it, it, sometimes I need to probably do a better job of that. You know, you want to have control of everything, but uh, I've been really fortunate to, my two years here at Garden that I've had just unbelievable my uh assistant i had an associate head coach last year bobby nauber he just took an assistant's job with oakland university and uh i thought i was a really good assistant to to i had him i fall really short compared to him i'm just uh he was incredible uh just a work ethic unbelievable with our guys un- unbelievable with scouts recruiting i mean he did it all it, um and then this year I've hired two two younger guys, but they, they both get it. Um, and I, I really look for guys that like being in the gym, I, I, that love working out guys. To me, that that's the key. Um, you know, guys that want to get in the gym and, and love being in the office. And, you know, I'm not a tyrant. I'm not keeping my guys here from 5 in the morning, 10 at night. But I, I do like guys that like being here and uh-huh. being, um, you know, we're kind of all in the same boat. We're You know, we're all trying to – to better ourselves and i think you do that by working your tail off um and i like i said the two two guys i've hired for this upcoming year have been so far have been actually incredible just their work ethic and um you know i put a lot on their plate you know at our level we don't have an academic support staff you know we've got to get transcripts and help them get their fastest done and dorm applications and you know physicals and insurance you know we've got to do all that yeah um and you know when you're doing that 14 15 guys we kind of split it up um once the season starts you know we'll split scouts up um you know we we have this dumb thing in the Jayhawk where we play 24 league games. Uh-huh. Um, just, I'm just, I'm putting that out there and hopefully the right person <laughs> to hear that. But, you know, so we play basically every Wednesday and Saturday. So we'll just divide those scouts up. Um, 
and you know then do workouts and then we practice every day and then you know with weights we're pretty fortunate um, that we have a strength conditioning coach which is another great story if you got time too at some point in this but we got uh, we got time let it rip my man well, uh, our strength and conditioning, we have a guy, Vaughn, who, who coaches football here as well, and he does an unbelievable job for us last year. But we had gotten upset by Independence in the first round of the conference tournament, and I was in, I think it was Tuesday after we got beat on Saturday, and this gentleman walked in my office, and I actually thought it was a fan coming here to complain that we had gotten put out of the tournament. So, you know, I was kind of like rolling my eyes when he walked in. But uh, he came in and said, my name's Mike Brungart, and uh, I used to be the strength conditioning coach for the Spurs for the last 20 years, and I'm retired now, and I live here in Garden City, and I'm kind of bored and just wanted to see if I could be of any service. And, you know, I about fell out of my chair, and all of a sudden, <laughs> I'm pretty excited this guy's in my office. And, uh, you know, we've gotten to know each other, and, you know, so now he's – we have the former Spurs – strength conditioning coach is our strength conditioning coach here at garden city well that's uh, cool so, man that's awesome yeah, that's a pretty cool deal to, to be able to tell our guys and he does he's a guy you probably need to get on a podcast too he is absolutely incredible he's one of the best in the world at what he does and um the, you know he he's opened my eyes to things i never thought about or this is what we need to be doing you know just all aspects from sleep and nutrition, um, the workouts and, and, and recovery. And I mean, he's opened my eyes to things that I don't know, as a junior college coach, I just never really thought about. So, yeah. I mean, we're really fortunate to have him trying to fundraise to get him some money, but right now he's a pure volunteer. Uh-huh. Um, so, uh, you know, sometimes it's good to be at the right place at the right time. I'm, I'm sure pop has given him a couple of bottles of wine to, to, uh, to, to tie him <laughs> he over actually there. He's a few stories about pop and a bottle. He actually, that's how he got hired as a Spurs, uh, coach, a strength conditioning coach was over some bottles of wine. Oh. Um, but, uh, you know, it, to me, that's what's cool too. Just kind of hear the story. I mean, he, he's worked with Dennis Rodman. You know, guys, some true characters of the NBA, and to hear those stories is pretty incredible. Like, yeah, I could sit and listen to him for hours. <laughs> um, you know, you're in a, a a different situation where, like you said, you, you got two full time assistants now, and and probably a lot of that. Uh, comes from connections and hey, I'm looking for assistant. Well, I got a guy, you know that type of a deal. Uh, but but every once in a while, you you probably have to go through a stack of resumes or you got to put out a, a, an advertisement and you're looking for for stuff coming in here as as you've evolved. And again, this kind of goes back to your to your business uh, side of things as, as well, Rusty. You know when when you're looking at a resume, uh, if you're a, a coach uh, at whatever point and and you're sending in kind of a blind resume. What are some things that uh, are are good practices for for that type of thing that that's going to jump out to you that's going to catch your eye? Uh, what are some some no nos uh, that and maybe it's a, a profession thing or maybe it's just a personal thing? You know how how do you sort through that and how do you uh, narrow it down to folks that you are really really serious about bringing into your program? I'm going to be honest. First, they, when they have their references, there's got to be somebody I know on that list. Mm-hmm. Or uh, uh, to me, this day and age, I mean, this is how I feed my kids. And I, I, I'm pretty strict when it comes on to, to guys I hire. Uh-huh. Like, I, I've got to, you've got to know somebody I know, and they mm-hmm. got to vouch for you. Um, you know, it's, but I'm going to get on my soapbox here a little bit. Let and, it rip, Rusty. It's just, it's just, I went through it this spring and summer trying to find two assistants. 
Uh-huh. It was a struggle to find a really good assistant. Uh-huh. Um, to me, the younger guys are, and, and I don't want to be that guy, but it, it seems like a lot of them just want to skip some steps and go from college to being, you know, at Duke. Uh-huh. Um, you know, it, 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 I'll be. It was kind of eye opening how hard, and we pay pretty good here at Garden City for an assistant for uh-huh. JUCO, yeah. and how hard it was for me to find a really good assistant. Um, I'm really fortunate with who I hired, but I had to work for it, and luckily it was you know people I know that recommended them both um but to me you got to have some experience on there i think you need to have as many names that have some influence in college basketball you Mm -hmm. know that uh can help you get in the door because i mean i'm not the only one who's not going to hire somebody they just nobody knows them Mm -hmm. um and and that's just the name of the game in our business Uh, i think that's I'd say 99% of the head coaches would say the same thing. Um, but, you know, show what you can do. Give your experience. You know, the biggest thing that I think for especially at my level, because most of the guys we hire are young guys, is I'm just willing to do whatever I can to make my head coach's life easier. I mean, that that should be the, the deal. It, it seems like a simple concept, but I, I'll be honest, I struggled to find that uh, this, this spring and summer. Um, but to me, that's the and especially if you're trying to make it in this business as a young guy, that's that's the mentality you got to have. And I'm willing to do whatever you ask me to do. You know, I'm not too good to do anything. I mean, I did this in my 30s. You know, yeah. people people thought I was crazy. You know, I went from a pretty good life to, you know, I'm doing laundry in my 30s. You know, I'm watching 18 to 19 year olds gear, you know, but I wouldn't have traded it for anything in the world. I was happy as I've ever been. Um, But, you know, that's kind of now I look back and, you know, I think those kind of things helped me to become the coach I am today. Um, You know, I'm still even the head coach. Some days I'll grab the laundry and throw it in there, throw it in the dryer, hang it up in the lot. You know, Mm -hmm. to me, you know, that's that's the kind of mentality you have to have because in my advice to a young guy trying to make, if you'll go work hard and have that, I think you'll be able to move up fast because those kind of, those kind of guys are, are are not around. Like I think they were 20 or even 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, I didn't mean to get on my soapbox. No, 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 man. I, you know, I those those clouds are fine that you're yelling at, Rusty. Don't worry about it. You know, so uh, no, but I I agree, and and I and I think that there is a in the world that a lot of our young people have grown up in, and it's not their fault. It's the world that they grew up in. Uh, the the world that, and I don't know how old you are, Rusty, but. Uh, the world I grew up in, we were worried about the Russians launching nukes at us and, and, and being sure. dead in 20 minutes, you know? So, I mean, we all, we all grew up at a different time. And, and I think in this time period of social, and again, I don't want to put everything at social media, but the way brains now function, and we can't deny that, that people's brains function differently now than they did 10, 20, 30 years ago. And a lot of that is not just social media, but the internet and access to information and, and, and things like that. And when you see others climb the ladder very quickly or they get instantaneous fame because of Instagram or whatever that crap may be, you know, you think, well, why am I not doing that? Why shouldn't I be allowed to do that? Uh, here's, you know, they didn't 
have to do that type of thing and 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 all of that stuff and i think some of that really plays into that where you know if, if i'm not if i'm not an assistant coach at 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 duke or north carolina or wherever by the time i'm 30 i've i've failed and i'm going to go do something else I, I mean it's a it's it's a grind and and you have to be willing to take those steps and sometimes uh you know to quote what about bob these these are baby steps and and the, but those baby steps turn into giant steps if you take care of your business while you're doing the baby step stuff you know that you know i, I came up to the nai d2 or now even juco you know it, would i love to have a six-figure in division one job heck yeah i'd take it today if somebody would offer me yeah. but you know i think the way I've been able to move up is, uh, you know, it's kind of cliche, but make the big time where you're at. Yep. And, yep. um, and I, and I think that's a struggle. I mean, it, it's not even just coaches, it's players, you mm-hmm. know, it, how many guys we talk to that, I mean, I, I could probably count on two hands in the last two years, guys that quit basketball cause they didn't get a division one offer. I mean, they yeah. had Juco and the NAI, and D2, but they refused to, you know, that's just a terrible mentality and it's heartbreaking to me. Yeah. That, you know, that's kind of how, and it, you know, social media and all that has a, a thing to do with it, I'm sure. But, um, you know, it's, and I, I want to put a disclaimer. I'm not trying to be the old guy out there. You nope. know, I just want to nope. put that out there. But, no, but, but know, it comes from experience. Absolutely. It does. It, but it's, you know, but I'm, I'm very fortunate. You know, I kind of went off on a tangent when it came to assistance, but I'm very fortunate that I've, I've had really good assistance. I've worked with other places where other assistants I worked with. I've been, when it comes to that, I have been blessed and blessed. And, you know, I talk to coaches all across the country on a weekly basis and, you know, they, they hate the dynamic of their staff or there's always an ego, you know, like I, I never so far in my career, I've never had to really deal with that. And I've been very fortunate. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, somebody put out a statement on Twitter the other day about, uh, I think maybe Tom cream about the chemistry of the staff, kind of the players chemistry kind of rubs off that. There's a lot of truth to that. Yeah. So that was my last question. I think you looked over my shoulder here a few hundred miles away, Rusty. So, you know, how do you build that camaraderie with your staff? Once you, once you've got your camaraderie or once you've got your staff in place, how do you take that camaraderie? You know, we ask our players to, to do their best to have good chemistry and good camaraderie within the locker room. But how do you build that locker room camaraderie with your coaching staff? You know, I, I, you just treat them with respect, like not talk down and you're my assistant, do this, you know, go get my laundry. I don't, I, you know, that, that, it, it's we're all in this together. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I want to hire guys that want to be head coaches and they live like head coaches and think like head coaches. Um, and, you know, I, just like our players, we promise them, you know, that we can help them reach their dreams if they do A, B, and C. You know, I, I kind of want to be that way with my assistants. You know, mm-hmm. you come here and, you know, uh, I know your dream's not to be in Garden City, you know, but come here and do a good job and I'll do what I can to help you get to the next step mm-hmm. um, and, and really make it about us and not me or them. Um, you know, I, 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 I think in, you ask my assistants and, you know, they, they like working for me. I'm not a guy that's going to cuss them out or go crazy. If our pizzas here aren't on time, you know, I'm not that kind of coach. Um, but you know, to me to build that respect for one another and to show that 
we're in this together, I think is the biggest thing. Mm-hmm. And, and, and your guys feed on that. And, and the biggest thing is we all got to be one voice. Mm-hmm. You know, at the end of the day, I'm the head coach. I've got to make some tough decisions in the office. You know, we can disagree, but once we're out on that floor, we're all one. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and to me, that's the biggest thing. Mm-hmm. You know, if you don't like a way I did something or uh, I give my assistants the freedom we meet daily. And, you know, I, I may say, yeah, I may say no, but I'm always open. Hey, if you got a better way to do things, I'm all ears. Yep. And, uh, and, you know, I think my most of the head coaches I worked for were that way. And I think that's why they were really good, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, it wasn't about ego. It was about what's the best way to get this job done. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. Great, great place to leave it, Rusty. Uh uh, great talking with you today. If if folks want to know more about you or they want to know more about the, the Garden City program, uh, where can they find that info? I mean, I'm on Twitter. They can email me. They can come. Actually, my cell phone is on the website. They, You can call me anytime. We're, our gym is always open. Um, I love just talking hoops. So, I mean, anybody, like I said, we'll uh, – Stuff like this, I, I absolutely love. I mean, I I wish I could do it every day. I just to sit around and talk hoops, and uh, I I don't got the the personality I think to have a podcast. But you know, I I I do appreciate guys like yourself that do this stuff and put out really good content. I mean, it helps us coaches, and we're listening. And I, I'm you know I find it comical you ask me because there's so many more guys you're probably more qualified than me. But, uh, you know, I am honored that you asked me to come on here. I really appreciate it. Rusty, there's a hell of a lot more guys that are way more qualified to do a podcast than me. I'm going to tell you that right now. So, <laughs> But, uh, no, I appreciate it. Uh, yeah, and, and appreciate uh, just the, uh, uh, the compliments and the support. And, and I, I hope you had a good time on the podcast today. I, I sure did, man. And like I said, anything I could do, please don't hesitate. Will do. Will do. If you can hold the line here a second, we'll we'll wrap everything up. Again, great talk today with uh, Rusty Elmore, uh, men's basketball coach at Garden City Community College, Garden City, Kansas. A uh, lot of great stuff. I really loved the way we, we ended up talking about staff and, and building staff and, and, and that type of stuff. Just just great stuff there. So uh, we, of course, want to thank our founding sponsor, COSAC Chiropractic. Uh, again, if you're in Omaha, you need some help here. Give Dr. Kevin, Dr. Heidi a call, 402-964-0300. Follow us on Twitter, at a pen and a napkin. Download, rate, review this podcast. Uh, just, yeah, anything you do to help out to, to bump up the numbers, that would be great. Questions, comments, suggestions, ideas, email me at penandanapkin at gmail.com. Check out penandanapkin.com if you're looking for uh, new, different, uh, just information. I got a lot of stuff up there, so check it out. So, uh, again, I want to thank uh, Coach Elmore for coming on here today. Great conversation. Coaches, as always, let's be sure to hone our craft one day at a time.